0: and about how to drive profitable revenue through the Affiliate Channel. Hey, this is Jamie Birch, your host today, and we have an awesome guest for our very first episode, Adam Weiss. And you know, if you recognize the name, it's because he's been a... Uh, face in this industry for almost 20 years. But before we give him an introduction, let me tell you about something we put together for you. If you go to jebcommerce.com strategies, you will find uh, a guide we put together on the affiliate marketing strategies to survive and thrive in the current climate. As we are recording this, we are in June 2020 and if you're not familiar, there is a current pandemic going around and there's a lot of stuff going on. So we put a guide together of 20 items that you need to be doing to make sure your affiliate marketing program and your channel is vibrant and thriving, not just surviving. So let's talk about our guest today, Adam Weiss. I've known Adam for at least 17 years Uh, We're both around the same age. Adam has done a phenomenal job in this space, uh, and you probably know him from his time at Rakuten, uh, formerly LinkShare. He was the general manager there, as well as the senior vice president, uh, the vice president network development, director of network development. Right now, he is the principal Of Weiss Digital Consulting, where he works on the publisher side, helping publishers and technology partners in the affiliate marketing space uh, support growth and really develop their strategies for growth uh, and their relationship management efforts within the affiliate marketing channel. Today, Adam and I talk about a whole bunch of stuff from leadership, uh, how to be a good mentor and a mentee, uh, as well as affiliates and advertisers and networks role in the evolving um, impression of what affiliate marketing can do. We talk about innovation in the space, and we talk about how to uh, uh, leverage uh, good strategic partners, and we talk a lot about strategy. Adam is a good friend of mine, and I'm really excited to have him as our first guest. So uh, let's get right to our conversation and my conversation with Adam Weiss. All right, Adam. Thank you so much uh, for joining me this morning. This is take two uh, of our podcast, and I'm I'm feeling optimistic that uh, that this will go through just fine. Welcome to uh, the performance, uh, profitable performance marketing podcast. You are our very first guest, uh, awesome. so thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, me too. You know, when I was thinking of doing this, uh, you and I had uh, we were just talking and just kind of. Uh, reconnected during the the COVID uh, stuff, seeing how you know things are going over there, and and I thought, oh man, this will be, uh, you know, you're definitely someone I want to chat with, and for everyone who does know you, they're definitely going to want to listen to our conversation, and and for those who haven't had the the good fortune of of meeting you, I think there's so much you can share with your experience. So so I am uh, I'm really excited to have you here today. No, I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. So last time we talked, uh, you guys, you know, COVID was pretty much raging in uh, the New York area and uh, where you live was kind of in one of the epicenters. Now, every time you and I chat, whether it's 24 hours or three weeks, things dramatically change. How is everything going uh, where you're at right now?
1: You know, uh, knock on wood right now seems okay. I mean, not to diminish, there's obviously still issues out there and people dealing with with stuff around this but you know me and my family fortunately for the most part we've been okay and just kind of hunkering down and you know trying to be smart about things so we're good
0: that's that's really good to hear now have you guys changed anything it seems each family has their sort of covid uh new routine anything uh family-wise that you guys do differently now
1: Uh, that's a good question um you know so I, I was I've been working from home for two years, right? So so or almost two years. So for me, you know, nothing major changed, but now you know the kids were were homes, you know doing that, their kind of homeschooling and my wife was working from home too. So we've got an office upstairs, like an extra bedroom that I always use as an office. Um, but I basically uh, you know gave gave that over to my wife and I'm kind of like, the digital nomad but just around my house so you know sitting in my kitchen sitting at like you know the 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 breakfast bar now weather's nice i've been sitting out on my deck sometimes i'll be in the living room so i kind of like move around the house and let my wife you know kind of hunker down in the office and do her thing and it kind of makes sense she's actually she's she could sit and focus for you know a full day i have to like move around so it kind of suits us both but other than that you know nothing crazy it's you know all things considered again it's been nice and that we know we have we have dinner as as a family and you know during the day you know could kind of have lunch take a break and have lunch with the kids and you know stuff like that so overall been good not many major changes except we're we're all here all day
0: yeah all day all here (laughs) everybody you know i've had uh it's been a, a great blessing for me to know so many people around the globe and have conversations like these Um, we're fairly isolated in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we have 10 acres. So when we quarantined uh, for, I think it was five weeks, um, it wasn't nearly the significant issue that it was for, uh, for, you know, for my colleagues uh, in the Northeast, you know, especially where you're at and uh, even Long Island, uh, you know, where quarantining is in a a flat, a, a condo or an apartment whereas we had 10 acres to run around. So, you know, for us, it wasn't that big a deal. We did find ourselves eating dinner with each other at the table more than maybe we have since all my children were home. But, Uh um, but anyway, so glad to hear everything is, is, uh, is good. uh, You guys are healthy. So talk to me, how did you get from, you know, your first job to maybe, uh, you know, uh, landing at uh, LinkShare, now Rakuten. What was that journey like?
1: Um, that's a good question. So first job until t- t- I landed at LinkShare. So, I mean, I worked at um, 24-7 Media uh, first. That was my first kind of foray in the digital space. On And they had a small site network, CPM-based. Um, and uh, I was there, I think, for about two and a half years Um, And then I was at about.com, which a lot of folks might remember. And I I think I was there for about a year and a half and they had a product that was a CPC based contextual targeted product. um, And that got sold uh, back in 2002, I think, or three, I forget. It got sold to Google. um, And so I was kind of on the move again. And I, you know, in my mind at the time, I was still, you know, kind of learning about the space, frankly, and, in my mind, I was like, well, I worked in, you know, CPM and I worked on something that was CPC and, you know, hmm, want to learn a little bit about the CPA space. And there happened to be a, a job posting and I'm going to date myself. The job posting was on Craigslist, which believe it or not, people actually did look at Craigslist for jobs <laughs> back in the day. Um, and uh, someone who I knew uh, at about knew someone at, at Linkshare and the rest was history. Went in for an interview and boom, 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 landed at Linkshare and was on the publisher team. And that was, uh, man, the end of 2003.
0: Wow, that is so long ago. And I think you and I met right about that same time um, I so, yeah. while I was uh, managing Coldwater Creek. Uh, and so at Linkshare, well. <laughs> yeah, it was a great time, uh, much different than it is now. Uh, not without, uh, you know, turbulence uh, by any means, but yeah, definitely a unique time. What do you see, you know, changing during your time there? Because you started out, um, you started out on the publisher side, right? And you and you Correct. and you stayed there.
1: Um, yeah. So started out, started out on the publisher side. Um, I mean, there've been there've been so many changes over the years. Um, but I think you know, at a high level, um, we just—I think both of us, right—we saw the maturity and the growth of an entire industry. Right. Like it was sort of the wild west back in the days. Um, just understanding who your partners were, who the publishers were, what they were doing, what's the value they bring to the table. How do they drive traffic? It was kind of like, like I said, the wild west. And I feel like we've gotten to such a point of maturity, um, strategic thought about our business, um, improved metrics and KPIs. Um, and it's been great to see, you know, over the years, for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, some of the same issues we still deal with. But before we get into that, I want to talk, you know, you you led, uh, you were the general manager uh, SVP uh, at Rakutenk. Um, yep. For quite a number of years. So, talk to me about leadership in turbulent times. Um, you know, in both our careers, we've been through a couple of recessions uh, and, uh, you know, definitely 9 11 and a couple of things that rocked our economy and, and socially were impactful, but nothing quite like uh, what's going on right now with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and uh, you know, police brutality, kind of some. Maybe a cultural revolution happening right now, um, and also the COVID pandemic. So, you know what what are your keys in leading a, a large group of people? You know what what did you learn um, from your mentors? You know what are the what are the main leadership things that you take that maybe our uh, listeners uh, can use, especially during times like this where where you know uncertainty seems to be the name of the game.
1: Yeah, well, I think I think you kind of hit on it, right? For me, it's always been about um, first of all, like who are the the leaders and mentors that you've worked for and been able to watch and learn from, right? Because just you don't know everything, right? It's a, everything's a learning experience, um, and I feel like I was fortunate um, early on in my career to have people to to look up to. Um, and who set the right example and set the pace. And, you know, for me learning from them and the things that I try to do um, leading an organization um, and it doesn't matter how big or small the organization is, but it's always about um, communication, right. Um, Internally and externally, um, you know, you, people want a message one way or the other, right. Um, What's -hmm. happening. And for me, you know, I think back to, Everything from you know, like during Hurricane Sandy uh, here in New York, um, and dealing with that, right? There were so many issues and potential issues that could come up, and needing to make sure the team was safe and what was happening um, from a technology perspective, et cetera. And you know, immediately, you know, you want to round up with your team and let them know what's going on and set some consistency around that as as well. Um, and you know. To me, um, you know, it, it's all about creating that stability and trust with your team and with your clients as well. Um, and you're not always going to have all the answers. Um, that's where the learning comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's all about stability, trust, communication, right? Um, because without that, you know, people get left to their own devices and start wondering what's going mm-hmm. on, and you know, you know. There's always going to be some level of, you know, internal kind of like, you know, gossiping and I I heard this and, you know, I heard that. But, you know, from the top, when you could clearly communicate things that are going on and be honest about what you know and what you don't know and kind of what the next steps are, I've always felt that that's really served me well. You know, here's the situation. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we know now. Here's when you are going to hear from us again on the things that we don't know. Right. Just keeping people Mm. updated. Um, And, you know, making sure that in a crisis, you know, another thing, you know, for me always has been about, you know, staying calm. Um, It's not always easy. Right. Things happen. And, you know, but I feel like being calm in a crisis because people are looking at you and like what you do, the things you do, the things you say, the way that you act and react. um, That's going to set the pace. That's going to set the tone. So I always felt like if I'm calm everyone else will, will be calm as well.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. Two things you st- said there stood out. One, I had to learn that uh, a lesson uh, recently is, you know, you said communicate and then let them know when you're going to talk to them again, when you're going to communicate again. And that's something, especially with, you know, our our team has been in the same office, uh, except for, you know, a few employees, but we've all been in the same office. So now when we switched during COVID to working remote and we we made the switch, I don't know how long ago, but quite a long time ago, the team didn't get to see uh, leadership, you know, as often, you know, in the water cooler and, and mm-hmm. the kitchen and things like that. And so, uh, I knew I, I learned that that last bit of let them know when we're going to have this discussion again, proved to be really, really vital. And, and when I didn't do it, um, you know, it's that phrase nature abhors a vacuum. Uh, you know, people are going to put in into that vacuum, you know, what they what they think and maybe what they've heard. But that information, uh, you know, may not be true. Um, so that was a, a really big lesson. And then you talk about, you know, being transparent with uh what you do and what you don't know how do you walk the line of um that transparency with uh you know you you, are you worried about sharing too much that you don't know uh, and how the staff will react to that
1: um i mean i think it depends on the situation but i would err on the side of you know listen if, if you're working for me if you're part of the team you're you're smart you're capable and there's trust so i kind of feel like you know i want to tell you as much as i can and i'll be honest if it's something that you know i think this is what's going to happen um and i'll let you know if it changes but you know to me i've always uh i've always felt confident in the people that worked for me and with me my peers um and so there, there was just that trust there that, you know, I wasn't as concerned if there was something that truly like was, you know, the, the jury was still out and we we're trying to figure out, you know, what's happening or what's the solution. That's where it's like, all right, we're still looking into it. Don't know yet, but it's coming. You know, we'll, we'll get back to you in X number of hours or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's great. And you said stabilize, communicate. What was that third thing? Stabilize, communicate.
1: Um, and building, you know, having trust whatever. Trust. I think that's what I said, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go back to the tape later. Um, right. Now that's fantastic. And, you know, I was having a conversation with someone else in the space and they talked, uh, you know, they talked about the importance of like, all this stuff happens, you know, it, it, having the right culture is important and the people you bring in are important. So you talked about, you trust your people. Totally. Uh, and, and I've learned over 20 years uh, in this space, 15 years running a business that that who you let in is, uh, is you know super important to all of the stuff that happens afterwards, whether it's great times or, or uh, difficult and challenging times.
1: Totally. And you know, the other thing I'd say is I always go back to this, quote that i love um and it's in reference to the fact like things like things come up things happen um and you know you're gonna you're you're not always gonna have the answers and you'll learn from it and it's the comedian stephen wright who you might remember and and i'm not gonna i don't i don't remember it verbatim but it's essentially what he says is experience is something you get right after you need it so like when these things happen i feel like you know i'm gonna The things I've already learned in my career and things I know and things I don't know. So I'm going to learn from it now and hopefully, you know, iterate and compound. So the next time, you know, I'm in a better position because I've already dealt with this, but I don't know everything. So hopefully, you know, we're going to try to make some smart, educated decisions on how to handle a particular situation. And if it's wrong, that's okay. We're going to iterate. Mm -hmm. We're going to fix it. And if it's right now, it's in the playbook and we know what to do next time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I love that quote, and that comedian is one of my favorite. Uh, yep. he, he, his his deadpanning uh, is great. But yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, you always get the you always get experience right after you need it. Um, I I felt like uh, that completely during the last three months for sure. <laughs> um, so one of the things we talked in our prep call was about you know the, the unique kind of. Um, space where you and I are in we're, we're the same age uh you know been doing this for about the same amount of time but now there's a lot there's a transition of being um of being mentored and then being the mentor uh, and and you talk talk a little bit about that cuz you're seeing that uh, you know much more in, in your uh, professional life
1: yeah i mean i so i think at a high level like you always need mentors and i'm i'm just so lucky to have the people that I do that I know I can turn to, to ask questions to, um, to bounce ideas off of. And these are people who are senior to me career-wise and who are my peers as well, but just have, you know, different skill sets that I know I could lean on. Um, so I think that that should never stop, right? You always want to be learning from people. They're just, we worked in such a great industry with so many great people Um it's amazing that, you know, you could turn to folks with such broad expertise and even folks like who might be your competitors, but are more than happy to help, to have a conversation, to give you some insight. Um, I've always really valued that. And then on the flip side, um, you know, it's it's humbling to me that, you know, people have reached out and said, hey, I need some business mentorship in my life. Um and, you know, would you be that person? And, you know, that's like that almost takes you for a loop. Um, like, wow, like I've kind of like forget everything that I've done, uh, you know, business wise per se. But the fact that someone, you know, trusts me with their career and which which drives like they've got family and they've got their own kind of stuff going on in their life and they're looking to me to give them guidance, that's humbling. And I, I just, I take it really seriously um, for those reasons. So I think it's, it's important on both sides. Um, You know, I still, like I said, you know, it's great to get guidance from, from great leaders that I've known um, throughout my career. And like I said, my peers, but at the same time, like so when people come to me, I know what it means. And I, I just think about it even more broadly beyond like, hey, you know, should I take this job or, you know, what do mm-hmm. you know, what do you think of working for this person or whatever? Because it, it just means so much more than that when they're asking you for that, because there's so there's such a domino effect of implications in their life. So I, I really do take it seriously. I value it. And like I said, it's it's humbling to me.
0: Yeah. Now, in, in my career, there's been... I'd say like 90% of my mentors uh, that I found, it just kind of came naturally. Somehow we met, we started talking, um, and they naturally kind of filled that role for me. And then there was one where I, I actually reached out and, and uh, asked, in in your path, has it has it been just a natural like, oh, this person kind of now is my mentor? Or did you actively seek a certain individual to help you with a certain thing?
1: That's a good question. Now, I don't think I ever like formally said, you know, will you be my mentor? But I feel like um, there are just certain people uh, who I turn to and, you know, it could be a year or two since I've spoke to them and they'll get on the phone with me, you know, within you know a couple of hours. And they just always got the right answers um, or at least the right direction to point me in. And like I said, I think it's also, you know, everyone, you know, has different um, levels of expertise and different categories, verticals, businesses, whatever. So, you know, you you kind of, for at least for me, in my mind, it's like, oh, this is a question about, you know, maybe about team leadership. I'm going to call so-and-so or this is a question Mm -hmm. about you know, um, thinking about things more financially as it relates to the business, I'm going to call this person. Um, so it, that, that's kind of how it's always been for me. Um, I think everyone's different though. And like I said, people have, you know, asked me and I think that's perfectly fine as well. And I'm always happy to do that.
0: Yeah. And now, are there things uh, that as a mentor, like what can the mentee be doing to make that uh, effective?
1: Uh, I'm sorry, you asked what, what should they do?
0: Yeah, like what what are uh, characteristics or, you know, as a mentee, what should you be doing to make that uh, impactful and effective and to utilize the the mentor's time?
1: No, that's a good question. I think at the end of the day, it's like, be honest, not that they wouldn't, but, you know, it's OK to kind of take your guard down when you're talking to someone like there's no judgment. And that's how I'm going to be able to help you best. Like, what are all the things happening? So, you know, I think that the common question is around you know business challenges or career changes especially and like i said before when it comes especially to like career changes like there's there's a lot of you know downstream impact to that so like what's going on in your life like and just i think just being honest you know there's no to me there's no um real rules around it um tell me what's on your mind let's talk about it i'll tell you you know my experiences and what i think Um, And I'll do my best to guide you, you know, to the right answer. Um, I'm not always perfect at it, you know, um, but do my best to kind of guide you there. And I'll tell you what I know, what I don't know. And if I can, I'll, you know, introduce you to someone who I think might even be better suited. Uh, to help in particular situations as well. So I think at the end of the day, it's just an honest, transparent conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, no need to feel like there's any judgment in any way, shape or form because everyone goes through these challenges, whatever it is that they're having.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic. I, I had a mentor tell me and he was maybe 10 years ahead of me in my career. Uh, and a few years back, he started talking about the difference between success and significance. You know, success is is you know we all know what success is, but then significance that really ties into helping other people be successful. And um, I've been uh, mentoring and coaching a, a couple uh, that have been running a, a local event based business, and they recently, just a couple of weeks ago, sold it. Uh, and really great transaction for them, and that was probably one of the best days of my career is seeing that you know, being able to be involved in that and, and seeing they them achieve, uh, you know, a dream, it leads to that sig- more significance than, than just success.
1: Totally. No, that, that's awesome. I mean, it's even like, I used to love when we would promote people and just seeing people advance mm-hmm. in their careers, like it means so much to people. Um, and that really, I feel like that was a great part of, you know, having a, a big team and seeing that like, cause they're moving in their career and they're moving forward. So similar situation. I love that
0: stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hey, let's talk about performance marketing. What, what drew you and continues to, to draw you to the publisher side of the marketplace?
1: Oh man. Um, I've just always felt from, from the early days, I, I feel like, you know, listen, everyone in our industry, I think there, there's so many great, people and businesses but for me publishers I've always felt are like the innovators I I feel like they're always the ones who are kind of pushing the limits uh, in terms of what's next taking risks building tools and technology and experiences um, they're kind of like the, the pioneers if you will um, and you know a lot of times you know I think on the on the advertiser side they do a great job but Oftentimes, those are much bigger organizations, and it's sometimes harder to get things pushed through. And publishers, really, I've always felt like are the ones that could support growth and innovation on a performance basis, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And frankly, it's just fun. It's always, in my experience, like working with publishers, visiting their offices, like, just seeing how they operate, it's inspirational. Like Just seeing the, the operations and how they think about things and that startup culture. But, you know, the bottom line is I've always felt that there's always a lot of innovation uh, coming out of the publisher side of the business, which drives e-commerce at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And seeing them, you know, being in the industry for so long, seeing uh, over that period, you know, over that 20 years, uh, seeing one-person shops start out as a side hustle. And now, you know, we're dealing with those organizations and they're 20, 30, 100 people strong uh, is, is, uh, is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And I love that fact. That's what, one of the things we always talk to advertisers about and the strength of the channel is that that innovation. You have, you know, you have hundreds of thousands or, or, or tens of thousands of partners uh, trying to reach audiences in u- new and unique ways uh, that they're bound to do things that, like you said, a big advertiser just can't do. They- they're not nimble, uh, nearly nimble enough.
1: Yeah. And I think it's it's amazing. You make a good point about seeing these publishers grow like, you know, literally, literally from a from a dorm room right into a major business that gets sold to an even bigger business. Um, there have been so many great stories uh, of entrepreneurship uh, coming out of the industry, and you know, people just again really, really pioneering things in the space and. Then other bigger organizations take notice and you know want to kind of gobble that up, and it's great to see you know over the years some of these guys who have been acquired uh, have gotten strategic investment or just themselves you know keep growing and growing and growing. It's a, it's an amazing thing, and I think that's one of the amazing things about the industry. And to your other point, you know I I wholeheartedly agree. You've got this this you know stable of of publishers, and you know for me I I really think each and every one of them, when you dig in, there really is differentiation and they truly are strategic partners or can be strategic partners to the advertisers. Um, and that's, to me, the, the beauty of the industry overall.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it, it's exciting for me to to see that. Now, one of the, we, you know, we talked earlier about how, you know, so many things uh, have changed in the the span of our careers, um, but also there are a couple of things that haven't changed. And one of those is, you know, there's a large selection of advertisers that they view the affiliate channel, um, you know, as a, maybe they don't work uh, with them at all, or um, they they struggle to to believe it generates incremental revenue. But we talk from the other perspective on the publisher side, like you were saying, like that, the strategy and innovation is key for e-commerce growth. Why do you think there's still such a disconnect? You know, we've had... I don't know how many times the affiliate channel was declared dead and it's not like, why do you think there's such a disconnect?
1: I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's something we've all struggled with over the years. I think there's a little bit of legacy, lack of understanding. Um, I I do think, um, you know, there's that lack of understanding But we are, I do think we're getting to a much better place. I don't think it's doom and gloom. I feel like, especially more recently, talking to people who are senior executives at brands and retailers who have worked for brands and retailers, I feel like more and more, we are in a better place as an industry. Um, Is it perfect? No. But people are starting to see the value. And if they're questioning the value at the least, I think we're starting to do a better job of establishing the right KPIs and goals for the channel that allow us to measure. Because I just think you can't you can't bucket the whole channel, right? Like mm-hmm. I was saying before, everyone is a strategic partner. The channel itself, right, is a way to track. It's a way to manage economics. But... The partners themselves are really different when you dig into each of them. So I think as long as you know we take an understanding of who our partners are, who the partners are we want to work with, how do we how do we measure success working with them, and don't just shut the whole channel down. Um, yeah. I think we're in a good place. I feel like we're we're making progress there. It's never going to be perfect, right? There's always going to be questions, but again, hopefully those questions push us. To be better and i think when you look at the course of uh the last you know almost 20 years that you and i have been in the space um we've got a lot of questions about attribution and incrementality and mm-hmm. you know everyone's going to be different in terms of the answer that they want as it relates to their business but we've gotten better about answering it. We're building, and we're building, and we're building, and we're really improving in terms of answering these questions, whether it's, you know, through the right metrics or different types of offer structures or bringing new partners into the space. So um, I think, you know, overall, we, we are improving there. And, you know, it's just a matter of ongoing education. And I think the longer that people are in the industry like you and I. Hopefully, we could help push it forward.
0: Yeah, and I think that education is key. I did a presentation at a networking event on how do we how do we talk about this, and that education was uh, a big part of that. Um, and we always found that don't you know don't hide in the corner as an affiliate manager. Like, go find those key metrics, go share those, measure your channel just like any other channel. Um, but you said a key thing that like is a big deal for me. And how we manage programs is you, you you can't view every you know can't view the channel as this one just this one channel. Every single partnership is unique and different, and yep. you need to measure. You know you need to apply your goals and KPIs to each strategic partner. Um, totally. And yeah, I think every now technology provider and and uh, uh, network and SaaS uh, tool out there has a lot of unique ways t- uh, to show that. Um, and it's it's great to see uh there's still i think a lot of emotion around it and i think uh i I think some of the uh legacy stuff you know from early on of an affiliate working in their pajamas you know in their (laughs) bedroom uh you know selling uh selling other people's wares uh still sticks around i i don't know why if you met these affiliates like you said you go to their offices they're big organizations i had uh I had one uh, individual I worked with and they were in the business uh, analytics team and they were questioning the validity of of every sale. And they're like, I don't I don't think you want to you want you don't want to see this data. And I'm like, yes, I want to see this data almost, you know, a good portion of my life is dedicated to this being uh, valid and valuable. If it's not, man, I really want to know. Right.
1: Right. I think you're, you're, you're right. And it's funny. Cause like, I remember in the early days kind of realizing like, you know, well, we're launching an affiliate program or we've got a program and like, all right, let's, I used to say like, people just want to like throw out the lasso and rope in their affiliates. Right. But it's not, it shouldn't be like that. Like even if it's within a specific category, like loyalty or coupons or content, they're all different. Right. Or at least for all intents and purposes, Mm -hmm. when you dig in, you know, sure, maybe two loyalty sites both have a both have a similar reward, but do they have a different customer base that they reach different demographics, different geographics, different types of different average order values? And then then you start to kind of figure out the levers that you could pull. Um, And yeah, and I I also I think it's funny, you know, the whole working in your pajamas thing Um, like. That's why like going to the offices of these affiliates back in the day and even, you know, recently, I think it's important because I think that sort of starts to dispel the myth of what people think it is or was right. These are like real operations. And I just remember like hitting the road, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) like seeing you know, on the account teams, on the advertiser teams, they did such a great job doing like quarterly business reviews for all of our yeah. advertiser clients back in the day. And that was one of the things I started doing on the publisher side. I was like, we should do that, too. It's a great idea. Let's yeah. replicate right. it. Just do the inverse. Um, and let's spend some time. Let's let's learn who they are. And that's how I started to, to meet more and more people, because it's not just, you know, the affiliate manager who who's who's, you know, driving that business There's a whole organization. A lot of times. Um, behind it. And that was like one of the one of the best times I think over the years um in my time at Linkshare and Rakuten was really just when we are on the road visiting clients, publishers and getting to know them and getting to know their businesses and getting to know the rest of their organization uh, as well. Because a lot of them they have, you know, they have technology teams and marketing mm-hmm. teams and operations teams and, you know, that go beyond just, you know, the the, the affiliate
0: manager. Yeah, that's great. You know, when, one thing you mentioned earlier was attribution. So you, uh, and we'll definitely get into what you're doing now, um, but you're, you're on the publisher side and a lot of times what attribution, um, you know, what it can look like is less commissions for affiliates for the work that they're doing. Uh, on the, you know, on the advertiser side, they're looking for that attribution. They want to, you know, make sure that they're, they're paying for sales that they wouldn't have gotten uh, otherwise or, or, you know, they have different KPIs. So that attribution is key to make sure they're not paying for stuff that, you know, their other channels are driving. On the publisher side, how do they feel about that? You work with publishers like is that uh, is it a uh, is it the, uh, a phrase that no one speaks or are they embracing it or fighting against it? Like, how do they generally feel about that?
1: I think it's sometimes we have blind spot because they don't have the same visibility that perhaps an advertiser has, right? Um, But, you know, from my perspective, um, what I try to encourage folks to do really is it starts early on in the relationship. Again, that strategic partnership, and that starts with discovery, you know. What are the advertiser's goals? What does their budget look like? How do they define attribution? How do they define incrementality? How do they define new customers? So I could at least do my best as your partner uh, to help you hit whatever those goals are. And I I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. There's technology out there that, you know, will as as it grows, you know, people get more and more transparency and we've been seeing that. Um, I, like I said, though, I think it's a little bit of a blind spot because I just, as a publisher, I can't see what advertiser A, B, or C's, you know, um, uh, customer funnel looks like, but maybe they'll share it with me if I ask, you know, and each one might be different. You know, a new customer to advertiser one might be defined differently as advertiser two. Um, and I think, so it's important to have that conversation. It's important to make sure that, this is a mutually beneficial relationship, um, and that there's a real value exchange, and that starts early on. Like I said, discovery, understanding goals, understanding what success looks like, and then measuring to that. And if it doesn't work, you know, what am I going to do to fix it? What can I do to fix it? How can I build upon this?
0: Yeah. Now, when you say blind spot, do you mean that they that uh, publishers don't really see that this is an issue, or that they they can't get the, you know they can't get the data that the advertiser has
1: yeah i think it's just not having like quick immediate access to the data but i feel like it's it's coming it it, it feels like the industry is kind of circling around that um maybe there's stuff out there already that i'm not aware of but um no i think they they definitely are it's it's not a blind spot in that they want to ignore the issue at all
0: yeah yeah okay that that makes sense thanks for the clarification i always thought that there would be a tool um that comes out that sort of like uh, email, uh, you know, a, a third party that could uh, compare uh, both email lists, and then you could market to uh, the email lists of your affiliates that um, haven't been a customer of yours yet. I haven't seen, I, I haven't personally seen anything like that, but I, I don't know if advertisers want to share that in that arena, but I always thought that would be if we're talking about strategic partnerships, I would want to to basically say to a partner, if say new customers, new, new to file um, was a goal, hey, uh, we're going to work with this company. They know all our customers. You compare yours and let's just highly target the ones that we don't have yet. Um, but I, I've seen that a few times on one off sort of very custom solutions that were a real pain to get going. Um, have you seen anything like that? Do you think that's a, an answer to this?
1: I think it's an answer. I don't think there's nothing that comes to mind. I'm sure there's something out there that kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of starts to get to what you're talking about. Um, Got to give it some thought. I could follow up with you on that. <laughs> um, okay, great. But I think that, I think that you know, there is probably sensitivity uh, to, to having that data exposed, but maybe the way that you do it, the implementation of it is really... Uh, where the opportunity lies. But in lieu of that, like I said, I think for your your bigger partners, it's all about at least asking the question and understanding, you know, what does this mean to you? What is incrementality, et cetera? And like, okay, now I'm going to craft a solution for you based on now what I know is important to you in your business.
0: Yeah. Again, we're back to communication, right? <laughs> always. <laughs> it's always that. Um, what do you think the publisher, or the affiliate's role in changing um, or continuing to evolve the view of the channel uh, as a vital, vibrant, uh, and key channel you should have in your digital marketing arsenal? What's the, the publisher's role in that? I
1: think um, it's something I started touching on just before, but I think it's about the value exchange with their partners and being able to articulate clearly what they can do, understanding, you know, an advertiser's goals and objectives, um, and then putting that into a meaningful plan to show like, here's who we are, here's what we can do for you. Here's how we drive traffic, full transparency. And I think that that's really important and, you know, measuring to it and staying honest to it, you know, so you're going to spend money with me, advertiser, um, I'm going to drive X and your goal, I know, is making it up, whatever, a 10 to 1 ROI. So how are we doing against that? And being communicative and transparent about it, um, that's what I think is really important. Um, Not, it shouldn't be, um, and this is maybe like a simplistic example, but it shouldn't be as a publisher, oh, you know, I can only be successful with a high commission rate and an exclusive coupon right? Well, no, it goes, it goes both ways, right? So I'm going to prove my value to you because I know what's important to you. I'm going to go out and do it. I'm going to report back to you. Um, and then we're going to build on that. We're going to build our relationship off of that. So I think that's really important. That shows maturity, that shows maturity in the business, that shows maturity in the channel and the people that you're working with as well.
0: Yeah. And we've, you know, what I've noticed is, um, we have calls with our clients with these affiliates, and they are getting more sophisticated, and that's that's been really really nice to see. What do you think the networks' role is? It is it merely more functional technology?
1: Oh, good question. Um, so I'm a little biased, right, having spent mm-hmm. so much time at a network. Um, but I think you know the network, to me at least, is the you know the kind of the main interchange. our industry and Mm -hmm. they need to track, report, provide payments in a, a, uh, you know, a quick manner. Um, I think they need to iterate on technology on a regular basis that makes it easier for people to do business in the industry, right? Like you always are going to want to have a conversation with your partners, but how can we... You know, streamline some of that? How can I learn more about my partners through the different networks and platforms? And I think they also um, should make it easy in terms of finding partners. At the end of the day, um, the networks and the platforms are critical. Um, They provide scale. They provide efficiency. But if I'm an advertiser, the reason why I'm in this channel to start with is because I want distribution. I want publishers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to make sure that 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 Access to that distribution is easy, and that if it's the network that's going to go out and recruit those publishers, that's really important. And then, lastly, you know, just again, I, I definitely recognize I'm, I'm biased from, from my time, but on the advertiser side, you know, I was so fortunate to work with such an amazing services team, really on both sides, actually, advertiser and publisher, um, but really folks who can think strategically about the business Um, and that was you know within the network and the agencies like yourself right that manage these programs that kind of strategic thought to be put behind who are your partners how do we work with them who should we work with how do we work with them how do we optimize how do we grow these relationships so I've kind of always you know I've always viewed the network and the platforms as kind of like the the central hub of the industry like they're the interchange that everything goes through so it's a it's a critical function um, for the scale that affiliate provides,
0: that's awesome. Uh, really, I, I wrote down uh, track, <laughs> report, pay the tech, make it easier, distribution. Um, talk to me about advertisers. You know, like like we said, m- most of your careers on the publisher side. That's what you're doing now. What do the publishers need from the advertisers? And that's most likely a large portion of our audience for this podcast.
1: I think it's going to depend on each. I think at the end of the day, it's a level of engagement, though. Um, You know, the publishers, from my experience, they want to talk to them. They want to understand, you know, what can I be doing to be a better partner or be a partner of yours? Um, Want to know what the opportunity is here. Um, and also articulate their value proposition to the advertiser. I feel like that's one of the things that I see a lot. It's like, we want to talk to advertisers A, B, C, and D. Um, and it's not always easy, right? Because that's, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's overhead. That takes a lot of time. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, we, we touched on it already, but I think it's the transparency around their goals, what's a good ROI, you know who's the person on the team that's gonna gonna be there to answer their questions and work with them and grow. Um, those types of things I think are really important from a, a from a publisher perspective. And then when I show you, you know, here's my value. When I show you here's what I've done, I'd like the opportunity to you know try to get more business from you. And at that point, I feel like they've earned the right to ask that once they've shown success. So who is it that I could I could chat with? And I don't want to just be you
0: know, kind of pushed aside that, 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 happens, but I want someone who I could, who I well, can really engage with. Well, I'll say it, it happens all the time. You yeah. know, one thing that we found to be useful is when we can, you know, when we have a, a really engaged client and uh, we want to do some innovative things with some innovative publishers and we're able to get both of those parties and facilitate that conversation. Um, those go over so much better than a simple recommendation of, "Hey, we should work with publisher X in a weekly report," right? So when you right. get both of those parties in, and I have seen that too, the publishers really want to showcase their value, uh, and so we try to not get in the way of that. Allow you know the publisher knows their business better than we do. The advertiser knows their bez- their business. Get those to facilitate that conversation, and then really good things uh, can happen. Um, no, totally. One one of the things you brought up before is uh, distribution and recruitment. Um, if you're speaking to advertisers listening, what do they need to do in order to be able to to recruit the right partner and and set that partnership up for success from from the first you know uh, touch point?
1: Well, I think it needs to start with you know what am I what am I in this for? Right? Am I Looking to just you know drive top line? Am I looking to build my brand through content sites? Am I looking to clear out inventory? Is it um you know do I do I have something unique? Am I entering a new market? Um, think about all those things, um, and then who like like we talked about and like we talked about earlier, right? Who are the right partners to do each of those things? Because you're really building a portfolio at the end of the day, right? You're building this diversified portfolio of partners who can, you know, you can pull levers who can do different things for you. Here's the partner who's going to help me clear out inventory. Here's the partner who I want to give an exclusive offer to because I'm trying to, I don't know, shift consumer behavior to buy from my particular brand or or from this particular retailer. So you first got to start in my mind with what, what are your goals, right? What's your budget look like? And then what am I measuring to And then in terms of the distribution, it's leveraging the tools that oftentimes I think come from the networks, the platforms and and even the agencies. And there's some third party technology out there, too, to help identify those uh, partners. Um, Everyone knows, you know, the the big the big uh, publishers who are out there in the loyalty and the coupon Mm -hmm. space, the deal space. And it takes it does take some digging. Right. Um, In terms of who else is out there. what long tail publishers potentially can make a difference for me? Do I want to get into the influencer space? And then, if I need to identify those, who or what is the right way to do it? And for everyone, it's going to be different because it depends who you work with. Like I said, you know, your your network often has affiliate tools or find affiliate tools. Um, I know some of the platforms offer um, uh, tools to search for publishers as well. There's third party stuff out there, and oftentimes, like a lot of times, like I just like to see like what are the sites that I'm using to find whatever it is I'm looking for. Am I buying a new laptop? Am I, you know, looking for a new phone? Am I buying something for my kids? Like, what's my behavior and what are the things that I'm seeing out there who look like potential partners that I want to work with?
0: Yeah, and that that part is always the uh, more difficult part. I I remember back when uh, when I started, my first job was search engine guru, and (laughs) I knew. That was guru? the title.
1: You had a yeah. title that was Guru? That's awesome.
0: I had a Guru title. This was way back, uh, you know, in 99. And uh, I remember just printing out all the search engine results pages uh, and the everyone who ranked and their code. And I would look for commonalities. And I, I kind of, you know, that's kind of what we do now is recreating that customer's path to purchase. Yep. And along that path is going to be known affiliates, Along that path is going to be affiliates we'll see in the networks, and then along that path will be people who are reaching the audience that, that we don't know, and they don't know affiliates, and they maybe they haven't monetized yet.
1: Yep, yep.
0: So so tell me what you're doing now. Uh, tell me, you know, what is Weiss Digital, and, and um, what are you doing for publishers?
1: It's not the most creative name, but uh,
0: <laughs> it's… Hey, uh, is
1: J-E-B Commerce? I get I it. I like it. I like J-E-B Commerce. Um, no, I… Um, So what I what I kind of decided to do, this is almost two years ago now, um, you know, I've been in the space for a long time. Love it. Like you said, I've always been on the publisher side of the business. And I just felt like that, especially if you're an advertiser, there's a lot of resources out there like JEB Commerce. Um, But if you're a publisher, I think it's a little I felt like the hypothesis was it's a little bit harder to uh, to find resources with a level of um, experience and expertise um, to help you grow your business. And it could mean a lot of things. Um, so I've really been focused on the publisher side of the business and how I could help with general strategic direction, um, partnership development, and uh, monetization strategy. Um, mostly how it relates to performance marketing to affiliate and i've been i've been really fortunate you know i i kind of was was kind of you know testing the idea if you will and it just started to snowball people were interested projects and engagements and an advisory role and just clients of all shapes and sizes all different points in the life cycle as well kind of like some you know just starting out and don't want to waste six months figuring things out and know that I'm someone who could help, you know, get them going really quickly, or people who were trying to get over the hump. We've been around for a little bit. um, Now we're getting to the stage of maturity. What do we need to do um, to kind of get a hold of things, drive revenue growth, articulate our value, positioning in the space, things like that. And then even folks who've been around for a long time where it's just like, what's next? What should we be thinking about kind of working with them to figure out, you know, what it is um so i feel like i've been i've been fortunate to to do what i'm doing and to i never thought of myself as an entrepreneur or someone who's going to go out and start my own thing um and i just you know i don't know man gave it a go something i believe in which i think is the most important thing like i truly am passionate about the industry uh hopefully that comes through Um, and I really believe in, Mm. you know, the distribution side, the publisher side of the business as, as a true, you know, value add to, to advertisers and, you know, want to help them drive growth. And, um, yeah, man, it's been, it's been great.
0: That's awesome. Now you said you, uh, you didn't view yourself as an entrepreneur, um, now two years into it, has that view changed and, and was there anything else you learned about yourself that, uh. Uh, only I, I always say, owning a business is uh, 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 you know a catalyst of self uh, awareness. You know you learn so much when you're running your own thing, uh, a crucible of self awareness. Is any you know did you find that you love the startup environment and the entre- being an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I mean it's
0: exciting
1: because you know you're you, you're the um, you're the driver of your own success. At the end of the day, there's no one else to blame but you, especially, you know, it's just me doing this. Right. Um, And I, you know, there was, there was a lot of great things working for a big company, but, you know, everything from keeping the books now, (laughs) you know, to following up on sales inquiries and making time for that and figuring out how to balance my time um, has been a real learning experience. And, Frankly, you know, one of the most important things to me is kind of understanding what am I doing right and what am I doing wrong? And especially on the things I'm I'm doing wrong, how do I, you know, I, I've got to get that feedback somewhere. And I, I do my best to ask clients and even non-clients, you know, their opinions, like, you know, what do you think of this? How am I doing? You know, maybe not as simplistic, but asking, you know, the questions so I can improve um, and when I, you know, maybe I pitch something to someone, I don't win, you know, it forces me to, to think about, you know, what did I miss? What could I have done differently? Um, and really think about that stuff, uh, to improve. Cause again, you know, when it's just you, um, it's just you. And I've also, you know, uh, I sometimes like, I, I hesitate. You know, we were talking about like going to mentors before early on, you know, for help. I sometimes hesitate to ask people things because I feel like I'm bothering them. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a little more open book, but like I just I I used to hesitate a lot. I still do. Like, you know, I have a question about this. Like, man, I don't want to bother Jamie. He's got his own business. He's doing a ton of stuff. You know, like he doesn't want to answer my dumb question, but. I sometimes force myself to, and I am just always shocked and amazed at the willingness for people to help um, and help me. Um, And that's why I always want to pay it forward too, whether it's through mentorship or just people calling me, you know, asking questions. I'm always happy uh, to make that time because you need it, you know, especially when you're, you know, it's just you, or you're part of a small team. And so I think, you know, what I learned about my, myself or really pushed myself to do was not be afraid to ask for help. Um, and I mean, there've been people, man, who've, you know, I, I've written a couple of articles for some of the different publications out there and like people who don't work for me, don't owe me anything, but have helped me proofread it and given me feedback or a presentation yeah. that I've done for a client. And, you know, back in the day I'd turn around and there's, you know, hundreds of people sitting around me who I could ask for their feedback. And now it's like, just me. Um, and, and, you know, turning to certain people who, um, you know, it's, they're giving me their time, but willing to help and kind of asking for that help, I think is important. I think no one should really be afraid to ask for help. I think it's really important. It's something I've learned over the last couple of
0: years. Well, I appreciate, you know, we talked about transparency earlier. I appreciate your transparency and I agree with all of that a hundred percent. It can be very lonely as a leader of an organization, especially, you know, the first couple of years and trying to figure out what to do, what not to do totally. and how to handle those mistakes. And, and especially I found it continues to be hard for me as I get older because of the uh, well, I should know that by now. I'm right, forty-five. Right. I should know that, right? Yeah, I had a uh, I had a mentor and a coach tell me once, um, and I said, I don't want to monopolize your time or or abuse it. And he goes, the only way that happens if I let you, and so you can't you can't monopolize my time. I can I can give you all my time, but you can't actually do that. So that was one thing that helped me with that. Of um, you know if I want to talk to my mentor and it's the fifth day in the row that I need uh, her advice um, if she's available she'll she'll answer the phone if not I'll have to wait and figure it out so but that that's that's a fantastic lesson uh, lesson to learn I yeah. appreciate you sharing that Absolutely. um so Adam how can uh, publishers or or anyone get a hold of you by the way I think, if you're listening and you're a publisher and you're trying to figure out how to how uh, to grow in this specific uh, challenge, uh, challenging time, or just in general, if you're listening to this uh, well after uh, COVID um, is not an issue anymore, call at it. I, I can't think of a better, and, and I'm not just, you know, uh, blowing sunshine here. <laughs> I can't think of a better person to help you with those, those high uh, you know, strategic issues on growing your publisher side. And I, I think it's a great uh, niche for, for you to fill because there's, there's plenty of people on the advertiser side, yeah. uh, but I've not seen anyone on that side. So if you're listening and you, you have a particular problem or you're just thinking of how to uh, expand and grow and take that next step... Um, I won't, you know, definitely reach out to Adam. So Adam, how can they find you? Uh, how can they contact you? Well,
1: Thanks. First of all, Jamie, I, I really appreciate it, man. That's really nice of you to say. Um, reach me, uh, you know, got my my website, weissdigitalconsulting.com or my email is adam at weissdigitalconsulting.com. You can find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, got my, my, you know, I guess connect to me on LinkedIn my profile or my business, um, and my phone numbers on the site, give me a call. Don't hesitate. I'm also like, I, although we're, we're, we're so like scheduled nowadays, I almost value when people just pick up the phone and call me out of nowhere. And if I can't talk to you oh, I'll sorry. say, Hey, I'll call you back. So you could call me, <laughs> shoot me an email, call me, text me, whatever works. Um, awesome. Yeah. Happy to connect and, and chat with folks.
0: Uh, thank you. I think this was a great conversation and always enjoy uh, uh, when we get to chat. Thank you for being the first guest of uh, my podcast and uh, bearing through technical issues <laughs> over the last couple of days. I appreciate that. And today it worked. It's still recording and here we are uh, just over an hour. Well, thank you. And uh, I really appreciate you spending the time. You gave Uh, a whole lot of great things uh, about a lot of different areas. So thank you. Thank you, Jamie.
1: I appreciate you having me. This is awesome. Um, You know, you're one of the good guys in the industry. um, And, um, you know, just great knowing you, talking to you and being a part of this. Um, I appreciate you asking me. So thanks for having me.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion about all things affiliate marketing. And remember, if you're looking for strategies to survive and thrive, right now uh, and during any turbulent times we want to direct you to jbcommerce.com strategies there you'll be able to download a 19 step guide on strategies and tactics to help you uh, get through what's going on right now as well as thriving and you can so download that guide we actually threw in a bonus tip Uh, That is from Link Connector as bonus number 20. So please check out that guide at jebcommerce.com slash strategies. And remember, if you need any help with your affiliate program, contact us at gethelp at jebcommerce.com. And we would love to sit down with you and help you run a profitable affiliate program.